Hey everyone, this is Chad. I'm really thankful you're listening to this sermon, a sermon that I did not preach. It seems that the topic of God's wrath is one many wonder about, and I'm thankful that Matt, our teaching ministry leader, was willing to cover it. For many, the anger of God is one of the biggest challenges and or hangups of faith. People can't grasp why God seems so angry at points in the Bible, why God would be mad at them, or maybe most, why God would send people to hell. Answering these difficult questions is at the heart of this series. Because of its importance, we would really appreciate if you would consider sharing these sermons if you find them to be helpful or valuable. If you would post these sermons on Facebook or Twitter or wherever else, it could be life-changing. Many people need to hear what Matt says in this series, and your sharing could be the way that that happens. Also, if you're listening to this on a podcast host, would you consider leaving a review? This helps our sermons be heard by more people, and we think that's really important. Thanks again for listening. I hope Matt's sermon will help you learn and live more fully for Jesus. All right. The wrath of God. Let me tell you how this went down. So uh, Chad texts me and he says, hey, I I really want you to preach during the month of February. And so I waited the customary time two weeks, uh, and for him to text message me five or six more times before I responded. And I said, of course, of course, I'll, I'll preach. Um, am I, am I choosing to do, you know, do I got a kind of free reign or what? And he's like, well, I kind of have something in mind. I said, oh yeah, sure. What is it? He says, God's wrath. (laughs) And, uh, Of course, I I get the same sort of feeling that I'm sure you do when you hear God's wrath. Uh, Out of all the topics, right? This is so Chad. He's like, hey, this is a pretty hard topic. Why don't you do it? (laughs) Because it, it makes us a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit uneasy to think about God's wrath, God's anger, God's fury. Uh, and I, I want to play just a quick video, just a, a little bit of an illustration of kind of what we think about when we think of anger. Ooh, I don't know. The Irish cream sounds good, huh? What's that? Uh, it's cream and it's, uh, it's Irish. Hurry up and order! Excuse me. Thank you. Um, how about a smoothie? What's in that? Smoothie's a juice drink. We want coffee. Buddy, relax. No, you relax. I'm a regular here. This line needs to move. I beg your pardon. Do you have scones? Tall, non-fat, double latte. Sir, you're at the back of the line. I recognize that. Cut it out or you're out of here. You can't kick me out. You know what? You're you're really invading my ear space. Look, I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. Do you have a card? Do you have a card? I don't have a card. Does anyone here have a card? We don't have frequent drinker cards. That's a video club card. Ah! Zip it there, Sporty Spice. Are we doing this? Oh. Is this happening now? Yeah. Wanna Sorry. Go? I'd Let's love do to. it. Let's do it. You're hurting me! You're hurting me! What is wrong with you?
with you, Derek. I thought we were friends. My name is Andy. Your name is Liar, because you're telling lies. You know what? The odds are I will never come back here again. There's a good chance of that. That's a chance we'll have to take. OK, if that's how you want to play it. OK. I am disappointed. God. He's mad. He's angry, and in many ways, we, we, can't, we can't escape our own experiences of anger. And we experience anger in this way. We witness anger in this way. Our lives, in many ways, are just rife with anger. I'm kind of like my father in that I uh, have an incredibly short fuse when it comes to inanimate objects. Very long fuse when it comes to people. You could, just, you could say whatever you want to my face, and I'll be like, okay, okay. But if you won't print, if that printer won't print, you are a piece of garbage. Are you kidding me? Who made this? Who made this? Programmed obsolescence. It's a word I learned from my father. Get so mad at things. And our experiences of anger, in many ways, create the lens by which we see God's anger. We think, man, God angry? That doesn't feel right. That makes us uneasy. <laughs> Let me tell you a story uh, that happened at Costco. You, you might have actually heard about it. It was in the news. Uh, so working member service, the people who uh, look at your receipt when you walk out, uh, you might not know this, but when you sign up to become a Costco member, there are some rules. And one of the rules that says in there is that we look at your receipt when you leave. Unlike other places that look at your receipt, you haven't signed any sort of agreement. So people will say, hey, you can't look at my receipt. And it's right. They don't have any right to look at your receipt. But we're a private club. And you sign an agreement that says we get a look at your receipt. People forget that. And there was this one gentleman who was leaving the store. I don't know what was going on in his life, um, but he didn't want to show his receipt. He was mad out of the gate. You don't get a look at my receipt. Get out of my way. And the member service person apparently did the wrong thing and put the hand on the cart. So this five-foot-nothing young lady who's working at member service all of a sudden has a hand around her throat, and she's being pushed against the fence that's over there. What the gentleman didn't know who did this was that we almost always have two people at the exit door. And that second person wasn't a five-foot-nothing young lady. <laughs> he was a six-foot-three Army veteran. And his instincts kicked in, right? Immediately, instinctually, he runs over and he leg-sweeps this guy just takes him out, right? Uh, and in fact, what happened was he completely broke the gentleman's leg. And so the, the gentleman ends up suing Costco and lost because the court looked at it and said it was justified. But man, anger, anger, it causes us to do wild things ridiculous things like choke a woman and push her against the fence because I don't want her to look at my receipt. It doesn't make sense. 
And so when we, when we experience stuff like this in the world, and that's kind of how we see anger, we have kind of the same question that maybe a non-believer would have when looking at God. So the questions are this. There's at least two that I can think of, at least to start out. I remember, this is four weeks I'm talking about God's wrath. But one of the first questions is, why in the world, why in the world would I worship an angry God? A non-believer might ask that. And then they might ask, secondly, and why in the world would God be angry at me? What did I really do? And as a Christian, we might ask, do I really worship and believe in an angry God? And secondly, what did I do that God would be really angry at me? And so I want to really address those questions today. I want to look at uh, kind of what, what, what does the Bible say about anger? What does it say about God's anger, specifically in the Old Testament? So let's look, let's look at this anger and at least see if we can understand it. Maybe try to, to take it away, extricate it from our own experiences of anger and see how could God be angry and can we understand it? And then we'll look at the question of what did we do to deserve it? So uh, in Psalms 7:11, it says about God, He displays His wrath every day. God is angry. He's furious every day. Dang. In fact, in the Old Testament, God is angry or furious or wrathful exactly 499 times. And in 1 Kings, uh, when he was dealing with Solomon, and he was communing with Solomon, he communicated with Solomon, and despite all of this, Solomon turns away from God, and it says that God was angry about it. And in Deuteronomy, you see that God is so mad at the Canaanites because they were doing, among many other things, this ritual child sacrifice. They were literally burning children for the sake of some pagan god. And he was so mad at the Canaanites that he just wanted to end it all. He wanted to destroy everything. And we see that in Genesis with the flood. God says everything is so screwed up. Everything is just so messed up. There are so many problems. People are doing all of this wacky stuff, totally, totally running away from me and what I want. I want to end it all. And so he saved what little was good and started over. He was mad. But the Old Testament is really strange because it's really unabashed about this God who is full of emotion. It's completely and utterly unashamed about this angry God. Because in many ways, the anger of God, as displayed in the Old Testament, showed that he was really and truly invested in the world. He was fervently interested in human affairs. 
He was so radically concerned with humanity that he would get furious when something messed with that relationship. The Old Testament is not embarrassed by the anger of God. In fact, it celebrated the anger of God. It was passionate about the anger of God because it showed that God was passionate about them. He was angry because he really did care about what was going on. In fact, in uh, 2 Samuel, there's the song of David in which he is celebrating the anger of God. He's, He's being delivered from his enemies and he says this, In my distress, I called upon the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God and from his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry for help came into his ears. Then the earth shook and quaked. The foundations of heaven were trembling and were shaken. Because God, he was angry. This passion guarantees that God is intensely interested about us. And it shows us that God has this thing called personhood. It shows us that we can, in fact, live in communion and relationship with the person who's at the center of the universe. God wants to interact with us, and his anger is an actualization of that desire. Let me tell you a story about my father. So in uh, elementary school, this is back in Southern California in Ramona, I played soccer all of the time. Uh, I loved soccer, and I was good at it. I was good at soccer. Um, And I always wanted to win. I was always going as hard as I could. And I had games all the time, and my father made as many as he could. My mom was at all of them, but my dad, of course, worked. But I remember this was a tournament. My dad was there. And I was, I was all out. I was committed. And the other team was about to throw the ball in. And I was there, and I was jumping up and down, jumping up and down at it. And the ref runs over, whistles, and gives me a yellow card. And I'm thinking, yeah, my, my mother's telling me that she was screaming. She was screaming, but let me tell you. Uh, I'll say something else about that. He gives me a yellow card. I, don't even, I didn't even know what I did, what I did wrong. And it was very, very rare for me to hear my, my dad yell. My mother's another story. It was very rare for me to hear my dad yell. I mean, he's, he's probably thinking, I got a public image. I'm a pastor. Uh, but there was this one word I remember that he yelled very loudly. And I didn't know what it meant at the time, but I do now. He said, lens crafters, is what he yelled. He said, you need lens crafters, ref. I'm like, I don't know what that means. But I remember, I was, I'm a kid. I'm in elementary school, and I have this ref coming and yelling at me and giving me a yellow card, and I'm on the verge of tears. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cry because I don't know what I did wrong. And then I hear 
this yelling lens crafters, and I found out that you can, in fact, get a yellow card if you're the parents of a kid there, because my parents got yellow carded <laughs> as well. But rather than being mad, I was like, I'm proud. I'm happy because here I am, I'm hurt, and I feel, I feel caught off guard and surrounded. And then in the voices, I hear, no, I see you. I've got your back. And it was unlike my father, so it made me feel really good. And my, my mother self-described herself affectionately as a mother bear. Um, and that's because at the slightest provocation, she would charge you and she would maul you. Do not look at my children in that way. Do not talk to my children in that way, or I will charge you just like a furious one-ton mother bear would. And she lived up to that. But it felt good. It felt good because it felt like I have someone strong and powerful on my side. If that was anger, I kind of like it. And the reality is, in the Old Testament, you know the people who are concerned about God's anger? Those men who would tear the children out of the arms of their parents to set them on literal fire for the sake of some fictitious pagan god. They didn't like the idea of an angry god. The rich and the wealthy that would exploit the poor, who would disenfranchise them, who would take everything from them and would enslave them, they didn't like the idea of an angry god. Those who would rape and who would murder, who would steal, who would do all of the most profane things, they didn't like the idea of an angry God. Those sex traffickers who would take women and children, sell them into slavery, and subject them to the worst kinds of cruelty, they didn't like the idea of an angry God. But the parents who had their children ripped from them, they liked the idea of an angry God. The poor and disenfranchised who were voiceless and whose chains were literally too heavy for them to bear. They liked the idea of an angry God. Those who saw their family killed and murdered and raped, those who saw all of the worst kinds of cruelty, they liked the idea of an angry God. Because it was a God who says, I see you, I see what's happening. I won't let this stand. I'm going to do something about this. An angry God is a God calling from the sidelines, 
saying, you're not alone. You're not alone. I'm here. I see it. People like the idea of an angry God because it's a God who says, I am intensely interested in you. I'm concerned about you. I care about you. You get angry when things affect the people you care about. And God cares about us. And we see it. And don't we kind of understand that? I could just imagine these same people who love the idea of an angry God, they want to say the same thing that David said. They want to say, I called upon the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God, and from his temple he heard my voice, and my cry for help came into his ears. Then the earth shook and quaked. The foundations of heaven were trembling and were shaken because he was angry. Don't we understand that? I think we get it. I think we get it. That God's anger is a manifestation of how much he's concerned for us. He just doesn't yell lens crafters. And so it's, I see why it's easy. Because I did the same thing to sort of shirk from the idea of, of the anger of God. To get kind of concerned about it. Because our Actions. Our experience of anger is what sets up the lens that we see anger and everything else. But if we can kind of just try to ignore our, our lens of anger, because we don't do it right. We don't do anger right. If we can try to see God in his perfect anger, in an anger that says, I'm here for you and I love you and I'm concerned about you, I think that we'll, we'll get a better understanding of really what God's anger reflects. Because what's at the heart of God's anger is an investment in relationship. He's invested in us. It's a testament to his attachment to us. My parents at the sideline wouldn't be, been, wouldn't be yelling and defending me. They didn't care about me and love me. And that's what God does. He gets angry specifically with respect to the things that affect us, and we'll, we'll look at that more in a second. But let's, let's get to the question of why might God be angry at me? What have I done? And I can't really... Uh, answer this without looking at what the Old Testament refers to as the law. So the law is basically a set of rules and regulations. And when Paul is talking about the law in Galatians chapter 3, um, in verse 19, he basically says that the law is a way of making sin known. And it reminds me of when my wife went to Lebanon, 
and she told me a little, little bit about how the traffic works there. And basically, you get in a car, and you just drive wherever you want. Uh, and all of the traffic sort of just moves, and there's traffic accidents, right? But it's really hard to delineate what harmful driving practices cause that because there are no traffic laws. There are accidents, but there are no laws. And things are just going absolutely crazy. I mean, uh, her friend, a missionary there, Aaron, has had to come back twice uh, because of accidents she's gotten into that have hurt her back uh, because it's just crazy. It's hectic. And so just like uh, that, uh, before the law, there were accidents, so to speak, but there wasn't a law. People weren't exactly sure what all the harmful stuff was. And so uh, God gives the law and said, hey, this is exactly uh, what it is. So now we can ki- kind of delineate the violations here. It, it would be like going in Lebanon and saying, hey, here's the traffic book. These are the violations. Now we can cite those people who are doing the, the most harmful things. We can really delineate the harmful practices, and we can prosecute the people doing all the bad things. And so the law made all of the sin known, just like traffic laws would make all of these bad driving practices known. And he says later in Romans that you're not saved by the law. It just makes you conscious of sin. It makes you aware of everything that you're doing wrong because God wants us to be in relationship with him. And relationship requires not a one-way street, but a two-way street. That we want it to. And that we participate in it. So he gives us this genuine freedom. And the law shows us when we are doing things that hurt that relationship. That break us away from that relationship. So here's, here's this law, all of these uh, rules, things like, hey, don't murder, don't envy, don't lust, honor your father and mother, have no other gods before me, these you know, things of the Ten Commandments. Lots of these rules and regulations show us, hey, here's where you get it wrong. Here's where you hurt your relationship with me. I'll read that Romans 3:20 passage. It says, "Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather through the law we become conscious of our sin." The law doesn't save us, it just shows us why we need saving. See, and all of these bad things God hates. He doesn't like unkindness and cruelty and meanness and envy and lusts and godlessness and wickedness. He, he doesn't like these things. In fact, he's consumed, it says, with anger against it. And it reminds me of a story I read in the book, He Loves Me by Wayne Jacobson. And I thought when I read it, man, this is like the perfect illustration of God's wrath. But he, uh, Wayne, was on... Uh, vacation with his 
uh, wife and his two-year-old son. And while he's just sitting back in his recliner, all of a sudden, he hears the screams of his two-year-old son. And that's a bad sound. Immediately, the heart drops if you hear, you know, your son or your daughter screaming. And it's a different kind of scream. It's, a, it's not a, hey, I uh, don't like this toy kind of scream. It's something really bad is happening scream. And before he could even get out of his recliner, his wife was booking it over there. And the thing is, this two-year-old kid had upset a bee's nest. And his wife is highly allergic to bees. You think she cared? She was furious. And she charged into that situation. And she scooped up that kid and was swatting these bees away and getting this kid out of this mess. And her adrenaline as she sat there and was trying to shush, you know, shush this kid like as a mother would. Her adrenaline is pumping. And she is so mad, not at the kid, but at what was affecting him. She was covered in all of these things. And as her adrenaline started to go down, her fury started to subside. The venom began to kick in. And they had to rush her to the hospital so that she could get treatment, so that she wouldn't die. And in many ways, I thought, man, this is just like God's wrath. We might be like that two-year-old kid who at first, when we see our mom or dad charging in at us with a face that is just red hot with fury, we're thinking, I am the object of some horrible wrath this is not going to be good. And the kid was probably scared out of his mind. But when he is scooped up and he is saved and you realize that he is not the object of the wrath, but it was what was affecting him that was. It's what, affect, what was affecting him that was the object of the wrath. In fact, the anger, the anger was an outward expression of his mother's Love. And we, we see this. It says in uh, Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. Against what? It says against all the godlessness and wickedness of men. We see God acting to consume sin and sometimes we internalize that anger as being against ourselves. But that isn't where the wrath is primarily directed. It's directed at what is seeking to tear us away from Him. We are objects of His affection. In whatever, whatever attempts to get into the way of that, 
he will be mad about. In wickedness and godlessness and cruelty and meanness, it is the antithesis of what God is. He is allergic to it. He's allergic to it. And he's angry with it. But because we are objects of his affection, he will fight against it. This is at the heart, it's at the very core of God's anger. He's angry at the stuff that tries to tear us away from him. And isn't this same thing perfectly illustrated in the life of Jesus? Jesus had every opportunity to be angry at us. You know, all, all of this sin, all of this wickedness, God saw. He saw it, and it was, it was literally tearing us away from him. We were surrounded, and it was threatening to kill us. And God's allergic to it, but he came charging into the world anyways. He said, I want to save you. I want this relationship to work. So I'm willing to do the unthinkable. Because we know that he saw the face of the person who flogged him over and over and over again. We know that he saw the face of the soldier that forced that crown of thorns onto his head to pierce his brow. We know that he saw the faces of those who jeered and who laughed and who taunted and teased him as he had to drag his cross to Calvary. We know that he saw the faces of the soldiers who nailed his hands and feet to the cross. And we know he looked down and he saw the soldiers who were literally deciding who was going to take his clothes. And he didn't say, I'm so mad at you. I am so consumed with anger. Can't you see I don't deserve this? You're horrible. Everything you're doing is so horrible. I just want to end you right now. It's not what he said. We know he looked out and he said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them for they know not what they do. And all of that wickedness and godlessness and horribleness and cruelty that we engage in, all of that stuff that surrounds and permeates our life, Jesus came charging into the scene grabbed us and said, sting me. I'm allergic. It's going to kill me. But I love you so much. I don't, I don't want it to hurt you. I'm, I, I'm willing. I'm willing to have it hurt me instead. A wrath and an anger 
that is aimed at that which hurts us is awesome. It's amazing. It's utterly ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous that we would look and we would kind of shirk away from the idea of God's anger. Because all that means is that we're forgetting that which God is angry at. So when we say, hey, why is God angry at me? God's angry at all of the wickedness that is tearing you apart from him. That he was willing to charge into the scene and say, sting me. Don't touch my child. And if you're not a Christian, you know, just as we know, that the world is permeated with meanness, with unforgiveness, with cruelty, with gossip, with lust, with envy, with greed. We know that our lives are affected by it and surrounded by it. You know, just like we know, that there isn't any sort of program for perfection. There's not something that we can just start doing and all of a sudden be perfect people. What we know is not that there's a program, but that there is a person who said, I want to swoop in and save you. I want to hold you and save you from all of the stings of this world all the stings of cruelty and wickedness and godlessness. I want to save you from that. Quit running away from me. What we know as Christians is that embrace. I hope we do. That embrace that says, I know you're not perfect. I want to save you nonetheless. And I pray that if you are not a Christian, that you will run into those arms and you will feel that embrace. We're not perfect. And many of us might think a little bit differently when we think about God's anger. We might instead be saying, I know why God's angry at me. I've done all these wrong things. And I would hope that instead of seeing yourself as the object of God's anger, you would see how much God loves you and wants to save you from that. He's furious. He's furious at the things that are tearing you away from him. And he wants to embrace you and hold you and save you from it, not condemn you. We're going to talk more about this, but I just pray that you would walk away with that message of not seeing yourselves as the objects of wrath, but rather as the objects of God's ultimate affection. That anger is the ultimate sign that he loves you so much he's willing to charge into this world. He is so furious with anger that he is willing to wrap you up and save you from it. Save you from the stings of all the horrible things. 
I pray that we would begin as we go forward as seeing anger. Not as the opposite of love, but rather as an expression of it. Will you pray with me? Lord, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to gather. And I just pray that we would begin to seeing, we, begin, we would begin seeing your full expression of emotions, God, as something perfect and awesome. That we wouldn't be afraid to talk about your wrath or think about your wrath, God, because we would understand it as an expression of how much you care for us, of how much you love us. God, I just pray that you would be with us this day, that you would be with us as we go about and we would seek out opportunities to run into your arms and to be embraced by you, God, that when we see the cruelness and wickedness of the world, rather than participate in the things that tear us away, God, we would learn what it is to run into your arms to be saved from it. And I just love you so much for your willingness to save us. And I pray that we would be aware of this message every day. We love you in your precious and holy name. Amen.